Hi everyone! With Thanksgiving coming up, it's the perfect time to tell you, our listeners, just how grateful we are for your support. Because without it, we wouldn't be able to do what we love to do. I'd also like to take this opportunity to let you know we'll be taking a break next week for the Thanksgiving holiday. But don't worry, we still have something very special lined up for you. In the meantime, from all of us here at Parcast, thank you again for listening and have a happy Thanksgiving. Something to note: all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining, and supplemented them with additional research into German myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Hari woke up with a pounding headache, the kind he always got from too much champagne. His eyes adjusted, and he realized he'd passed out below deck on his trading ship. He was surrounded by drunk, snoring sailors. They'd spent a merry evening celebrating Hari's engagement, but now all he wanted was more sleep. He closed his eyes, but they popped open when he heard a most peculiar sound. Peter, what's that noise? If there are men still carousing above deck, tell them to shut up and go to sleep. Groom's orders. Peter. Ah,、oh, Peter, you'll make the worst best man. Hari pushed himself up, his head aching with a hangover and his heart aching with guilt. After he announced his engagement to the lovely, wealthy Greta, his childhood friend Lorelai had run off in tears. Hari knew she was still in love with him, but his engagement party really wasn't the place for her to make that known. He fully planned to smooth things over with Lorelai after he'd gotten his rest, but there was no rest for now because someone outside was singing. Hari climbed the ladder to the ship's upper deck. He was confused when, at first, he thought he saw that nobody was up there. Then he realized the voice wasn't coming from the boat at all. It came from hundreds of feet above his head, from the tall cliff of the murmuring rock. Hari squinted at the rock. He could just make out the form of a woman standing on top of it. She was enveloped in an eerie blue shimmer, like some kind of fairy tale nymph. But if the sight was unfamiliar, the voice wasn't. It had been years since he'd heard those dulcet tones, but time had only made them lovelier. Though Hari couldn't be sure, he could swear he knew who the woman was. Lorelai. Hari heard a noise which shook him from his trance. He turned to look behind him, and his mouth fell open with shock. For all the drunken sailors aboard Hari's ship were now on deck, staring up at the murmuring rock, and each and every one of them was entranced by the golden-voiced maiden who stood atop it, singing her mysterious song.
Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we conclude the German tale of Lorelei, a temptress whose beautiful voice sent sailors on the Rhine River to their doom. Last week, we met the titular character, an outsider who was lied to by her mother, ostracized by her cousin, and betrayed by the man she loved. This week, we'll see Lorelai use newfound mystical powers to bring her opponents to their knees at a tragic cost. Coming up, Lorelai gives her mother a fright. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Lorelai wandered barefoot through the woods, the rising sun warming her soaked dress. It occurred to the young woman that she should be cold after spending a night in the waters of the Rhine. She'd run into the river a broken girl, after her childhood friends Greta and Hari stunned her by announcing their engagement at Greta's birthday. She thought Hari had invited her to reignite the spark they'd shared as teenagers, but no. He just wanted Lorelai to sing while he professed his love to vapid, snobbish Greta. That wasn't the only thing wrong. Before the party, her mother Minna told her a ridiculous story about Lorelai's long-absent father being a strange god who lived under the murmuring rock. Lorelai thought this was just a ploy to keep her from the party, but the story turned out to be true. When Lorelai was at her lowest point of despair, a voice called out to her from a cave under the rock. Lorelai. In an otherworldly grotto, Lorelai met Father Rhine, lord of the river and the parent she'd never met. Their time together was like a half-remembered dream. She felt like she'd learned everything about the spirit world beneath the river, yet the knowledge was just beyond her grasp. She felt closer to her father than anyone else in her life, but she couldn't recall the details of his face. 
It wasn't important, though, because when Lorelai stepped out of the depths, she felt brand new. She'd asked her father for help getting revenge on the friends who broke her heart, and the River Lord had imbued her with power. He gave her a necklace of blue-green seaweed, affixed with four pearls that shone in the sun with supernatural iridescence. Lorelai wasn't quite sure what to do with these charms, but she felt certain she would when the time was right. Power wasn't the only thing coursing through Lorelai's veins now. For perhaps the first time in her life, Lorelai was brimming with confidence. When Lorelai walked up to her farm, a horse whinnied with alarm. It was the horse she'd taken to Greta's birthday and the one she'd forgotten about until just now. Lorelai laughed, amused at her own forgetfulness. She barely reacted when her mother, Minna, raced out of the farmhouse. Oh, Lorelai, what were you thinking staying at that party all night? And you're soaked. Don't tell me you went into the Rhine. <laughs> all right, I won't tell you I went into the Rhine. I'm in no mood for sass this morning. What happened? Exactly what you warned me about. I met my father. If this is some sort of awful joke... Not a joke, mother. Is breakfast ready? Ooh, I'm famished. Lorelai strode into the farmhouse and searched the pantry for something to eat. Minna observed her, worried. Lorelai was too cheerful, as if she was vibrating with joy. We can't possibly be out of food already. Have you cooked something? Lorelai, tell me what happened. I cried on the murmuring rock. I heard a voice, a strange fish-like man or man-like fish, pulled me into his grotto. He showed me the secrets of the River Kingdom, gave me this magic necklace, and said I could have everything I wanted. Right now, what I want is bread. Do we have any? I fed the rest of yesterday's to Olga. <sighs> that goat eats better than we do. No matter. I'll go to the market. Lorelai, you're flitting around like a housefly. I'm afraid you've gone mad. Just sit down so we can talk about this. I feel perfectly sane. Minna pulled out a chair for Lorelai and gave her a stern look. Lorelai rolled her eyes and sat. Minna stood behind her and placed a towel around her daughter while Lorelai played with her new pearl necklace and laughed. Minna narrowed her eyes at the necklace. She didn't like how it entranced her daughter, and she didn't trust anything from the Rhine. Take that thing off. It reeks of river magic. But it goes so well with my dress. Minna pulled at the seaweed loop around Lorelai's neck, but it was too firm to tear. Lorelai tried to wriggle free, but Minna forced her back into the chair. Just hold still and listen to me. Lorelai gripped the necklace in her hands, and one of the pearls melted into a tiny droplet of water. No, you listen, listen to, to me. me. A current of air sent Minna flying, knocking her back into another chair. Minna struggled to get up, but it was as if she was glued to her seat. What is this? Help me up! Mother, I'm in a very good mood today. Perhaps the best mood of my life. And I'm trying to treat you kindly. 
even though you really deserve my wrath. Lorelei, what could I have done to make you so angry? You raised me like a pauper when I am a goddess. A pauper? You have a home, you have food, clothing, and education. A shabby little home, moldy food, rags for clothing, and education in the human world with no knowledge of my father's power. I spent 20 years aching to fit in, and I would have been so much happier if I'd known I wasn't supposed to. I just wanted to give you a normal life. I did my best, but I can't change the past. And if I failed you, I'm sorry. I did my best. Oh, I know. And we can't change the past. But I will use my power to change our future. Lorelai, this gift is a curse. No, it's not. And I'll prove it. What was it that had you so rattled yesterday? That unmilkable goat? I can fix that. Olga! <laughs> Olga the goat clopped into the kitchen, her udders painfully engorged with milk. To Minna's wonder, Olga stood in front of her, clearly suffering as she waited to be milked. Lorelai smiled, took a bucket, and placed it under Olga's udders. You're welcome, Mother. Now start squeezing, because I would love some fresh goat's milk when I return with our breakfast. Lorelai smiled, tugged at her necklace, and wandered out. Minna watched her daughter go, a terrible storm of emotion raging within her. In the past, she'd been angry at her daughter and frustrated by her too, but never scared of her. Not until now. She strained and pulled against the chair and vowed to keep straining until she broke free. Something had to be done about Lorelai before it was too late. Coming up, Lorelai brings chaos to the village of Bahara. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Lorelai usually dreaded her weekly trips into town. 
the residents of Bahara village usually stared or avoided her or gossiped about her off-kilter mother. Today, however, was a most unusual day. Lorelai dreaded nothing because her father, the river god, had given her a magical necklace with four pearls on it. One had melted after she willed her mother Minna to behave, so Lorelai knew she'd have to be careful with how she used the remaining three. But being careful didn't mean she couldn't have a little fun, too, so she touched the second pearl and made a wish. It melted, and she set off to the market. Good morning, Herr Becker. Herr Becker the baker heard Lorelai's voice and winced. But when he looked up at her, he fell into a lovesick trance and handed her a bundle of fresh pastries. When Lorelai smiled sadly and said she had no money, Becker took a few coins from his own pocket and plopped them in the payment jar. Lorelai winked, took the bundle, and sauntered onward. Doing well, Herr Fisher? Herr Fisher the fishmonger's mouth dropped open, as wide as the mouths of the dead fish lining his stall. He too was enraptured by Lorelei, so he offered her a whole salmon. She politely declined, so he offered his son's hand in marriage. She politely declined that too, asking for trout instead. Fisher handed her the morning's catch free of charge then turned away in lusty shame. Herr Fisher's wife cast an angry look at Lorelei, but she just smirked and walked on. Lorelei's skin tingled with excitement. This was what it was to be admired and desired. With a little laugh to herself, she realized that this was also what it must be like to be Greta who, incidentally, was shuffling out of a nearby dressmaker's shop. She looked fetching in a brand-new spring coat, but there were dark circles under her eyes, and her polite smile was strained. She looked like she'd rather be alone. So, of course, Lorelai strode up to her. Good tidings, dear cousin. New coat? I deserved something special after my birthday turned out to be so catastrophic. Half my guests were so curious about your little fit that they forgot to congratulate me at all. How heartbreaking. I'm sure the joy of embarrassing me made up for it, though. That's not true or fair. Look, Lorelai, I'd rather not relive that moment. Well, I've relived it every moment since. It was most cruel. Even for you. But it didn't have to be. Lorelai, I didn't invite you for a reason. I practically begged you not to come because I knew you would be hurt. Ladies, ladies, is everything all right? Bishop Erwin rushed up, holding a bag of vegetables. He looked concerned, but Lorelai merely glanced over her shoulder and intoned, Not now. Erwin stumbled back like the wind had suddenly pushed him. He nodded and wandered away, disconcerted. Lorelai turned back to a suspicious Greta. What was that? Lorelai, what happened to you last night? No, what happened to you? Why keep this engagement from me, Greta? Why go after Hari when you knew I loved him? Why cut me out of your life all those years ago? I am not having this conversation, especially not here. Yes, you are. Now. 
Lorelai gripped another pearl on her necklace until it melted. Tell me why you make me suffer. Because I hate you, all right? The merchants looked up, stunned at Greta's outburst. I hate that you and your mother didn't live by the rules. Nobody expected anything of you. I hate that you have the bluntness of an ox and the fashion sense of a molting pigeon, and still, Hari loved you instead of me. I was jealous of how free you were. Free? You mean ostracized. Ooh, sounds lovely. I feel like Baccarat has a coil of rope, and I'm the tangled knot at the center. Lorelai, I hate my life. Greta turned to see that everyone in the market was watching her, but for once, she didn't seem to care. I hate Herr Becker who waves baguettes at me in a manner I find lewd. I hate Herr Fisher who reeks of river scum, and I hate his wife for how she looks like she wants to die all the time. I hate Bishop Erwin, whose kindness I don't buy for a moment, and I hate my parents for getting rich and insisting I dress well and marry wisely and plaster this fake smile on my face so nobody thinks us millers are stuck-up little pigs, which we are. I hate everything except yourself. No. Hari. I love Hari. I hate myself most of all for how hateful I always feel. Greta collapsed to the ground in tears. Lorelai thought she'd be satisfied, but instead she was just unsettled. She reached out to touch Greta's shoulder, but that's when her cousin sobbed. That's... That's why I told Hari to get his ship ready and take me away. I don't want to be in Bahara anymore. Lorelai hardened at this news. She thought for a moment, clenching, then dropped her bags of pastries and fish in front of Greta. You're not going anywhere. You're very weak, Greta. You need a good meal to replenish your strength. What? Dig in, little pig. Helpless against Lorelai's commands, Greta grabbed a raw trout and shoved it in her mouth, chewing and crying. Oh, you wouldn't want to get that new coat dirty. Why don't you give it to me? Against her own will, Greta pulled her new purple coat open and took it off. Lorelai picked it up and slipped her arms into the sleeves. It fit her beautifully. Don't worry. I won't tell Hari what a beast you really are. (laughs) Greta screamed and shoveled fish and bread and pastry in her mouth, her eyes watering. Villagers and merchants crowded around her to watch. Though they feigned concern, most were secretly thrilled to see Greta Miller on the ground, eating like a farm animal. Lorelai walked off, laughter echoing from the town square behind her. She was headed for the Rhine, where either by love or by magic, she would claim Hari as her own. Across town, Lorelai's mother Minna stood outside Bahara's church rectory, pounding on the door. The sound was so loud that it attracted the attention of nearby villagers. They were as shocked to see Minna Wagner at church as Minna was to be there. Minna stepped back in alarm when Bishop Erwin opened the door, clutching a kitchen knife. She relaxed when she realized he was also wearing an apron. 
Frau Wagner, you're quite literally the last person I'd ever expect to see here. Desperate times, Bishop Erwin. You see, I don't like organized religion. Yes, I'm aware. You shouted that out at last year's Christmas parade. But I do believe you have a good heart and are perhaps more open-minded than others in this hypocritical little hamlet. It's about Lorelei. What about her? I believe that last night she was possessed. I know this all may sound like blasphemous nonsense to your ears, but she ran into the river and came back different after meeting Father Rhine. I didn't think they taught about him in Sunday school. Frau Wagner, Minna, perhaps we'd better talk inside. Minna took a seat in the rectory kitchen while the bishop sliced vegetables, rather sloppily, Minna thought. When she cleared her throat with impatience, he set down the knife and sighed. How much do you recall about your own uh, experience at the Murmuring Rock? Not much. And what I do remember, I'd rather forget. Then you may not remember me. I was only 15. I was on my way to church, reluctantly at that, when you rushed into town fresh from the Rhine. You were soaked and crying with a terrified look in your eyes. So, of course, I asked what was wrong. You told me this tale about a river god and the things he did to you, and your certainty that you were with child. I don't remember any of that. I do not think you were in your right mind. I wasn't, and I don't think I have been since. I'm sorry for scaring you. Do not apologize, Minna. You see, your utter conviction in Father Rhine's wicked way scared the fear of the Lord into me. Learning of the darkness that lurks in the river crystallized my faith. I would not be the man I am today without my experience on that strange morning. So, you believe in Father Rhine? You believe me? Yes, there is a presence in those waters which you awakened. And after years of research, I'm confident that it is my job as bishop to stop it. Before we save Lorelei, we must eliminate the threat to Bahara. What are you suggesting? We dive into the Rhine and hunt down the river god? Oh, no. I'd sooner climb down into hell and challenge the devil to a duel. Evil is eternal, Minna, and it will always be in that river. Then, what source do you speak of? You are the source. You waded into the water and brought the river demon spawn here. I waited and watched, hoping Lorelei would turn out all right. I thought she had, but I saw her today, and she is not the little girl any of us knew. There is chaos and darkness in her cold heart, and I must make things right. Erwin picked up his kitchen knife and nervously passed it between his hands. Minna stood up, edging her way to the door, but Erwin blocked her passage and put a hand on her shoulder. You've had a bad lot in life, and this brings me no joy. I hope that is a comfort. Bishop, please! Help! Somebody save me! Minna, this is salvation. The bishop smiled and drove the knife into Minna's belly. She gasped, then slid to the ground. Before she went still, Minna uttered her very last word. Lorelai. Don't you fret. I will take care of her, too. Up next, Lorelai gets what she wants 
and what she deserves. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now back to the story. Under the midday sun... Hari supervised his fellow sailors while they cleaned the ship. It needed to be spotless, for Greta wanted him to take her away up to the coast. Boys, make sure you clean below deck. I heard rats skittering about in there. And the last thing I want on this trip is to give Greta a nasty... surprise? Hari and his sailors went quiet as a beautiful figure walked up the gangway. Her blonde curls were wild and free. Her stolen purple coat rippled in the breeze, and her blue eyes seemed to sparkle. Lorelei had subdued her mother and taught Greta a lesson, and now it was time for her reward. As Lorelei made her way past the sailors, each dropped to his knees in reverence. She smiled at each of them in turn, then looked up to fix her penetrating gaze on Hari, the man she'd called her one and only. I... I think I had a dream about you like this, early this morning. Who says it was a dream? Lorelai prepared to use the last pearl on her necklace to draw Hari close, but she didn't have to. He rushed up and kissed her of his own accord. A shiver raced down Lorelai's spine, and a wave splashed up against the ship. Hari took Lorelai's hand and led her below deck. Before she stepped down into the darkness, she looked out at the murmuring rock and thanked Father Rhine for everything that had happened and everything that was about to. Lorelai and Hari laid together in his bunk, their limbs happily intertwined. Lorelai giggled and kissed Hari's cheek. She couldn't believe they were together at last, and she wanted to hold on to this moment forever. How do you feel? Good. Safe. Perhaps a bit guilty. About Greta. Lorelai shifted and sat up on the edge of the bunk. Hari sighed and moved to sit by her. She was happy to see that he was as worried as she was. It is a problem. I still think she's terrible, mind you, but I don't know. I've thought about this moment a lot, and it didn't occur to me to think about the moments that came afterward. Greta has suffered, too. Well, dearest, it'll all be fine. Greta won't know a thing. What? She'll know when you break off the engagement, Hari. Ah, I'm not sure that breaking the engagement is the best plan. But we... we just... don't you love me? Lorelai, I have always loved you and I will love you forevermore. But I'm marrying Greta. I work for her father. I was practically as penniless as you were growing up, and I need this job. 
I have to tie my name to the Miller family's fortunes if I am to make something of myself and provide for my family. But what about us? Us doesn't exist, at least not in public. Why, I'd be shamed off the Rhine trading routes if I abandoned Herr Miller's daughter. Then why did you kiss me? I felt bad about the way things happened at Greta's party, so I thought I could make it up to you. By breaking my heart? Oh, Lorelei, come off it. All these emotions. You sound like Greta. You should get dressed now, and maybe we could see each other in a few weeks' time. Hari handed Lorelei her dress, then laid back in his bunk, apparently satisfied. Lorelei pulled on her dress in a hurry, tearing the lacy fabric. Her face burned hot with shame and anger. She knew she could change this all by using the last pearl on her magic necklace to bend Hari's will. But Hari had shown his true colors, and even if her magic could erase his cruelty, Lorelei wasn't sure she could erase the memory of it from her mind. But in her moment of hesitation, everything changed. A disheveled Greta stomped down the stairs, a wild look in her eyes. Hari, what are you doing? Greta, I'm sorry. She bewitched me. I did not. Greta, he kissed me before I even got a chance to- Shut up and get out. No, Greta, I can explain. You have to know that Hari's heart isn't true. She said get out, you witch. Hari rose up and pushed Lorelei back to the stairs. Lorelei stumbled, astonished at the cruelty in his eyes and how quickly it disappeared when he turned to Greta and caressed her cheek. Greta, if you want to leave Bahara, let's just do it now. Greta nodded. Hari kissed her. Lorelei again thought to use her last pearl, but Hari just didn't seem worth it anymore. So she fled. Lorelei made it up from the shore and ran back through Bahara's marketplace and came face to face with an angry mob. Her spell had worn off, and they were all eager to punish her for stealing from the baker and the fishmonger. They crowded around her, pawing at her body for any coins they could find and pulling at the pricey-looking pearl around her neck. They were about to rip it off when the crowd was stunned by an unlikely arrival, Bishop Erwin riding Minna's horse. He rode up to the crowd and yelled out, fiercer and more commanding than he'd ever been before. Gentlemen, unhand her in the name of the Lord. The mob was angry, but not quite angry enough to disobey a man of God. Lorelei broke free from Becker's grip and scrambled onto the horse. Before she could ask the bishop any questions, he pulled at the reins and they raced off. Lorelei clung to Bishop Erwin as they rode far from Bahara, but they did not head for Minna's farm. Instead, they went high into the hills above the Rhine and did not stop until they were at the top of Murmuring Rock. There, they both dismounted. I can't thank you enough, but what are we doing here, Bishop? Where's my mother? And how did you come to ride our horse? <laughs> well, the horse at the rectory is quite old. So when Minna offered this one, I couldn't refuse. She asked me to bring you here. 
My mother asked you for help? You scared her, Lorelei, so badly that she turned to the only one who could help. She doesn't want you to come home until you repent. Lorelei sighed, then walked to the edge of the murmuring rock. She could see everything from there, a crew preparing for departure on Hari's boat down below, Bahara and its angry merchants, and a storm brewing on the horizon. Lorelei felt Erwin walk up behind her. His presence was comforting, if only because she couldn't see the menace in his eyes or the knife in his palm. I suppose I should feel bad. I've caused a lot of trouble and pain, too. Yes, Lorelei. Bahara is hurting, all because you meddled with the darkness under the Rhine. Tears rolled down Lorelei's cheek. She watched Hari's ship move slowly into the Rhine, away from the rock and out of her heart. You may be right, Bishop. But if I hadn't... I wouldn't know what I do now. That my mother kept me isolated out of fear. That Greta's life is not as desirable as I thought it to be. And that Hari was not worth a lifetime of hopes and dreams. I am wiser now because of what happened. I regret the harm I've caused. But I do not repent. Then I suppose you'll just have to join your mother in hell. Bishop Erwin plunged his knife into Lorelei's back. She let out a ragged scream while he forced her to the cliff's edge. Lorelei knew he meant to throw her from it, and she pushed back against him. Don't struggle, little Lorelei. Minna didn't. The bishop felt a twinge of regret as Lorelei's blood ran down his hand. But then he looked at the knife and realized she wasn't bleeding. Water was rushing from the wound instead, in a flow that grew more powerful by the second. Soon the rock's surface was soaked. Erwin tried to keep a hold on a struggling Lorelei, but he slipped in the water, fell to the ground, and felt the water drag him to the edge of the cliff. He almost fell off, until he grabbed hold of a rock. He looked up to Lorelei, who glared at him in fury. What in God's name are you? A goddess! Then Lorelei kicked Erwin in the face and he lost his grip. The bishop tumbled off the cliff and his body was dashed on the sharp rocks below. Only when Erwin was gone did Lorelei's strength fade. She fell to her knees, devastated by the knowledge that her mother was dead. Lorelei didn't want to join her, but she didn't know how to live in a world that had betrayed her either. As she watched Hari's boat recede further into the distance, she felt anger too. So she put one hand to the last pearl on her necklace and cried out, Father, please, what do I do? Sing, my child, sing until they suffer. The pearl melted in Lorelei's hands, and everything seemed to go quiet. Lorelei stood tall and sang. She poured her heart into her song, one that was beautiful and terrible and happy and sad. Soon all of nature responded to it. 
a storm erupted above Bahara. Lightning crackled down to set the marketplace on fire, and waves crested and fell on the once tranquil Rhine. Lorelei looked into the distance, fixing her eyes on Hari's ship. She sang louder, and the wild river's current somehow dragged Hari's boat back to the shipyard. Lorelei looked down at the ship, which sped closer and closer to the murmuring rock. Hari and Greta clung to each other on the deck, scared for their lives. They heard the music from the rock and looked up. They stared in wonder and terror at their childhood friend Lorelei, who smiled at them and waved. It was the last thing they saw before Hari's boat crashed into the side of the cliff. Lorelei stopped singing. The storm was over, and so was her time in the human world. She knew what she had to do next. She knew the only place where she belonged. So she stepped to the cliff's edge and dove off the murmuring rock. Lorelei plunged into the Rhine. She swam through rocks and debris and bodies. Dead sailors, the broken form of Bishop Erwin, Hari's lifeless corpse, and Greta, still alive and holding Hari, trying to drag him to the surface. Lorelei stopped. She almost felt bad for Greta, working to save a dead man who was only after her money. But then Greta rolled her eyes, let go of Hari, and swam to the surface. Lorelei couldn't help but feel a little bit proud of her. Lorelei swam deeper, and as the light dimmed, soon she could not see at all. But Lorelei could hear multiple voices singing beautifully. They were just like her, brothers and sisters she had never met. She would come to know them, and they would embrace her. Above the singing rose the gentle, strange voice of her father. Welcome home, Lorelei. Lorelei smiled, then opened her mouth to join her new family in song. As we learned last week, there is no one Lorelei in German folklore. For some authors, she's an irresistible nymph who unwittingly causes sailors to crash into the Lorelei rock. In other tales, she's a vengeful sorceress who can ensnare all men except for the one she loves. The main thing the interpretations ultimately have in common is this. Lorelei is a danger to all men because of her beauty and her voice. The lesson is clear. Avoid women who stand out and make themselves heard, for they cannot be controlled. Many myths have a degree of misogyny to them, and that's usually a reflection of the times in which they were created. However, German authors and poets dreamt up Lorelei in the 1800s, and so she may be a reaction to a far more modern phenomenon, the rise of early feminism. In the mid-1800s, various women's organizations sprung up across Europe that called out for equal rights and the power to vote. 
While those were battles that would take decades to win, there's no doubt that groups like the General German Women's Association presented a challenge to a traditionally sexist society. In real life, German women were using their voice to gain power that men had, so it's no real surprise that male German authors were writing about women whose voices are so powerful that they could lead to a man's death. With all the death and destruction she sows, it may be a little tough to justify Lorelei as a positive feminist icon, but even the most negative interpretations of this modern myth prove that there is nothing as powerful as a strong woman who's unafraid of using her voice. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, Kim Lynn Tran, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.